Welcome to Potluck Food Talks. Today we're going to talk about pasta. So what are your thoughts on pasta, Phil? Pasta, I mean, it's like one of the most basic food staples, I think, all around the world, regardless of whether you're in noodle eating countries like Asia or Italy, obviously, you know, when we talk about pasta, we're talking about mainly Italy. But I think regardless of where you're from or where you are, it's like one of the most common sort of like quick, easy fixed dinners these days. You know, it's become such a fundamental staple in every household. Yeah, I would say all over the world. I'm pretty sure if you go to Africa, you will see a lot of people eating pasta. Not to say all over America, north to south, is a it's a staple food everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. What would you say are the do's and don'ts when it comes to cooking and eating pasta? Well, I mean, I think first of all, we need to uh, narrow down like what we mean with pasta. You know, like if we mean, you know, noodle dough in general. You know, when you use the word pasta, you know, I think it's easily discernible that you're talking about Italian noodles, right? Yeah, Italian wheat-based, I wouldn't even say dry pasta. We can talk also about fresh pasta, but I think what everybody eats at home is dried pasta, right? Yeah, definitely. Although, you know, it's like, I feel like the conception of what people think dried pasta and like fresh pasta, what the differences are, like, I think that there's some misconception because I think it's really interesting that most people think that dried pasta is just like a convenience product and that fresh pasta is by default better than dried pasta, which is, you know, not the case. It's just two different products. And I, for example, I always thought that that would like, that's the way it is that fresh pasta is better than dried pasta. But then, you know, like relatively recently, I found out that it's not that, that dried pasta, it has a very, there's a very intricate process to making it. And that, you know, also Italian chefs say there's certain things that they just wouldn't do with fresh pasta, just as there's certain things that they wouldn't do with dried pasta, you know? Yeah, I, I completely agree. And actually, if we, if we, Talk about Italians is super interesting because uh, there are like, I don't know, like 100 different types of pasta and each one has its own function. Some are done for specific sauces. The way they're shaped it has also to do to absorb the sauce or so that the sauce sticks to the piece of pasta. And all these kind of things are super relevant when, when it comes to cooking pasta the Italian way. At the same time, what you were just saying about dry versus fresh, I also have to say that, of course, there is crappy, cheap, dry pasta. I mean, what do you expect if you buy the one that costs 50 cents in the supermarket? It is what it is, you know? But if you get like a high quality pasta, sometimes I prefer that better than fresh pasta, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, you know, like both have their place. Like there are things that I would make with fresh pasta, but there's like certain things that I would never make with fresh pasta, you know, like a cacio pepe, you know, like just doesn't make sense to make it with fresh pasta. It's not what you use for that recipe. Could you go through the recipe briefly? I mean, a cacio pepe is basically a pasta in a sort of emulsion of pecorino romano and black pepper. You know, it's a very, very simple pasta dish where, you know, you make a emulsion with the cheese. It's like a carbonara, but without the egg and also using guanciale, which is the, the pork chow. Guanciale is wild boar, right? Like a boar... Ham. It's not necessarily boar, it's the jowl, which is like a piece of meat from the jaw, like then the sort of neck underneath, kind of like, a, I think it's very, very fatty. Ah, it's the cut, not the animal. 
Okay. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that there's conchata from boar as well, but as far as I know, it's not necessarily boar. Okay. Yeah. Um, but anyway, this is like a recipe that like you would never make it with fresh pasta. You'd always make it with dried pasta. And, you know, like I've heard from a lot of Italian chefs that, like you said, you know, it's very important. It's just like sourcing any ingredient is deciding on which brand of dried pasta you use because there's huge quality differences. You know, you have, you know, really crappy ones, like super market ones that are super cheap. Then you have sort of like medium ranges like Barina. And then like kind of going up, you have things like the Checo. Super fun. It's my super favorite one. Exactly. And then if you go like even further up, you have things like Monograni, you know, which is the brands that I see a lot of, you know, professional Italians using that make Italian food. You know, it's a little bit like when I was in Japan, you know, there were certain things that like pickles, for example, like we were buying pickles from a factory in the countryside. And I would say sort of like, oh, why don't we make the pickles like in-house? And they were like, well, there are people who specialize in this, done this for generations, and they make an extremely good product. And for us, it's like, we're really happy that we can work with people who are experts in what they do. And it's kind of the same, you know, I feel like this perception of dried pasta being like a, just a convenience product is just strong. You just remind me of tampopo when you said Japanese pickles. We need to make a tampopo episode, by the way. Yeah, definitely. A, a movie reaction. Uh, <laughs> So going back to pasta, I would say a few important things about the cooking process because there are a few common misconceptions that I see over and over again in house cooks when they're cooking pasta. Because again, this is something everybody knows or thinks knows how to cook, especially drunk people. <laughs> Rule number one, I would say a lot of water. Don't cook your pasta in a small pot, half full. Don't do that. Just use a generous amount of water and wait until it's uh, boiling. <laughs> That's pretty basic. There are some myths about when to add salt, if you should add it before or after the water boils. That doesn't matter at all. Yeah. And then there is this common myth about adding oil to the water. Some people say this is something Italian, which is not at all, and which is actually a mistake. Because you want the pasta to be a little bit sticky, just enough so the sauce sticks to the pasta and that the pasta is completely coated with sauce. So that this is the reason why some, let's say the penne rigate, that's why they're like tubes so that the pasta goes inside the tube and all these shapes and also the surface that has this like... The riffles, yeah. Exactly. This is again also to, to hold the sauce. And another one, of course, another one that I see a lot is people straining the pasta and then adding cold water on top. That's also a bad move because, again, you're washing all the starch away that makes the sauce stick. So these are pretty basic rules that every Italian knows. Yeah. And every Italian screams when, when he sees someone doing it wrong. Yeah, I think like one of the biggest mistakes that I see people do a lot is that they don't salt the water enough. You know, everybody knows that you need to salt the water, but it makes such a huge difference, like the amount of salt that you put. When I cook pasta, I add salt, you know, by feel and let it dissolve and then I taste the water. And it should be like very savory, you know, it should be mm -hmm. kind of like if you if you would season a soup. You know, like that's kind of how salty you want your, your pasta to be, because if it's not salty enough, then, you know, the pasta is going to absorb the water. And at the end, you have a pasta that's very bland. The pasta itself needs to be a little bit seasoned. Otherwise, you know, your sauce can be as nice as it wants, but then, you know, you add this other, you know, often it's like one-to-one -one sauce to pasta and the whole sort of flavor profile just 
goes down. So I think that's one of the most crucial things that like people don't do. They don't salt the water enough. And one other thing that like I always find really annoying, especially with chefs, you know, chefs do this a lot, is that they really undercook the pasta, right? So we all we all know that overcooking pasta is really awful. And everybody wants, everybody loves the term al dente, you know, but especially chefs, they take it too far. They just don't cook the pasta enough. And al pasta should be al dente, super important, but nobody wants your crunchy, chewy pasta for star food, man. You know, it's sort of like, you gotta hit the right spot. Yeah, I've been there on that. Yeah. I think everybody has, has, done, has done that at least once. Yeah, yeah, of course, especially at three o'clock in the morning when you make yourself like a quick sort of like feta cheese and canned bean pasta. And then you just don't cook it enough and you're crunching away and you're sort of like, and you feel even shittier about yourself than you did before. You know the worst drunken pasta story I have? <laughs> Dude, we were, we took like a road trip and we arrived at this, like a house next to the beach. We were completely drunk, everybody. Uh, we were like, like looking in the fridge of this house, what we found and that there were some cans of tomato and some pasta. So we, we cooked some pasta and after we ate the whole thing, somebody said, okay, now I can say the truth. The, do you want to know the truth? We just cooked the pasta with swimming pool water because there wasn't anything else. No. <laughs> well, you can't be serious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> that is terrible. It was a long time ago. Another common mistake about cooking pasta at home that I see a lot, a lot of people do this, perhaps most people do this, is not mixing the sauce with the pasta. Like serving the dry pasta and putting the sauce on top to the dish and then doing whatever. And Italians always mix the sauce with the pasta and then serve it, if I'm not wrong, right? Absolutely. I feel like surely there's situations where you don't do that, you know, but like in general, for sure. And I mean, even finishing the pasta the last like minute or so inside of the sauce. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, makes a huge difference. Yeah, because then you get like this penerigate filled with the sauce inside the tube and whatever shape you're using, you're making the magic at that moment and you can mix it as aggressively as in a pot in your dish. Yeah, absolutely. And like people just like think of mantecare, you know, this uh, process. Exactly. People really underestimate that they completely skip that process, you know, that step. They think they make the sauce, they make the pasta, they put the two together and it's done, you know. But um, I mean, this doesn't, you know, you don't have to do it or you shouldn't do it with every sort of pasta dish, you know, but like more often than not, you know, finishing the sauce, letting those like the starch release into the sauce, you know. And having the pasta like absorb a little bit of, you know, what you're cooking it in, it makes a huge difference. And also, you know, like I feel like people are kind of scared using pasta water to let out their sauces. While I find that it makes a huge difference, you know, take, for example, a, a pesto, right? And a pesto is usually like even if you don't make it yourself, you buy a pesto in the supermarket, you know, and it's usually quite dry. If you take like just pasta, cook it, strain it, and then add your pesto and mix it in, it's going to be really, really dry. If you keep a little bit of pasta water from the very end of the cooking process and you add two or three tablespoons, the whole thing becomes creamy and like juicy and the pasta is coated. It makes a huge difference and nobody really does that. I think people are scared because they see this like salty, soupy water. That's something every chef knows. Yeah. Every chef that, that has worked in a pasta station. Yeah, absolutely. So do you have any favorite sauce? Oh man, I have a lot. Um, okay, so I'm a huge fan of aglio olio because I've eaten so many really bad versions of aglio olio because, I mean, it's really just, it's so simple, right? It's just olive oil, garlic, and a little bit of pepperoncini. 
And then, you know, some people add parsley to it, some people don't. But usually it's this oily, garlicky mess, right? And that's how I've kind of known it. Nice. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it has its it has its place. But if you make it right and, you know, you kind of, you come see the garlic a little bit of the olive oil, you pull it to a side together with the popperoncini, then you add the pasta into it with a little bit of the liquid and you just give it that little bit of time. It makes this like oil water emulsion that's just really, really creamy and slick and um, also, you know, like chopped parsley in it. And I also, I add like a little bit of a squeeze of lemon juice to it because I feel like it cuts through it and it helps that like emulsion. And it's so simple, but if you get that emulsion right, it's super, super tasty. There is a simple one. I don't know if this has a name. I mean, I do like like a carbonara, just egg yolks, and then just a shit loads of botarga. Do you know botarga? Of course. Man, it's it's like mm, ocean parmesan. And it's like that sounds amazing. <laughs> that sounds really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's your go-to drunk pasta dish when you come home at three o'clock in the morning? Um, depends what, on what I have. I mean, if I have like, like this fried tomato from the jar, I will use that with Parmesan. I sometimes do, I wanted to say my favorite sauce is probably putanesca. Yeah. And, and sometimes I do like drunk putanescas because I usually have anchovies. I always have lots of hot sauces. Perhaps I have some black olive puree somewhere. And I just throw everything into the sauce and I make like a quick putanesca. Yeah, that sounds really good. I used to like my my go-to one that I always used to make was also starting with like a shitload of garlic and a shitload of chili. Just make it really, really spicy and really garlicky. And then add the tomato, let that cook a little bit. But you know, you want it to be quick. You just kind of want it to reduce it down a little bit. And then you add like a big spoon of Philadelphia cream cheese. <laughs> and you just add that in and it becomes this like cream cheese tomato sauce it's kind of like pink like a vodka sauce you know but like a spicy that always hit the spot you know it was kind of like sitting there you know in your boxer shorts just like eating straight out of the pan <laughs> oh man did you just remind me one well, my friend blanca once made like a, a lasagna she just mixed a bolognese and a bechamel and she mixed everything so it was like this creamy bolognese and she made the lasagna with that and what i did was like a variation of that which was like dirty lasagna i don't know how to call it because it's not really a, a layered lasagna it was just taking these big tubes rigatonis and mixing it with this kind of sauce and then putting it on a tray and making a gratin out of it with lots of cheese on top yeah. so you could actually cut and take slices out of it but that mixture of making like, like uh, tomato sauce and mixing it with something creamy, it's really, really nice. Yeah, it's really good. It's really nice. I like that idea with the with the cannelloni. That's, that's really good. Yeah, like a tonis. Mm-hmm. And I also, I have really nostalgic memories of pesto that like my stepdad used to make fresh at home. And he would always mix it with the pasta, but it would also have like little pieces of boiled potato in it. Oh, nice. Yeah, but which is weird because like you don't usually mix carbs and carbs, but it was super, super nice. But there are also some strange rices here in Spain that are also with potato. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You know, talking about rice, one of my favorite pasta shapes is uh, orzo because that's one that you can just like cook like a risotto in sauce and it gets this really sort of like slippery texture, you know, like especially if you have like like a cheese sauce kind of thing. It's super, super nice. Like Bordaberry's risotto, maybe? Exactly. Exactly like that. Bordaberry is this legendary pincho bar here in San Sebastian. 
and they do a risotto, which is not made with rice, but with orso, this rice-shaped pasta. And they do it with like a high-quality Villasabal cheese. So it's a super nice way to try Villasabal cheese. There is a thing I always say, and people hate me for it, when, when I show this to foreigners, I say, yeah, this is like the Basque mac and cheese. <laughs> no. <laughs> And after the whole explanation, people go like, oh, okay, okay, now I get it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. It's a classic now, you know, it's a classic dish. So I wanted to ask you, what, what are your secrets on a good pesto? On a good pesto? It has to be a la minute, really. Yeah, it's really not, not that difficult. I've seen people blanching the herbs, which I don't see the need of it. You just put everything together in a blender blend it and use it right away as you say i think like if you really want to go next level you know you do it in a big mortar and pestle and you you almost whip it kind of like you would do with a rui or with an aioli you know yeah and stand you know you make it and then you eat it you know like i see a lot of people and like i've done it a lot of times in restaurants also making huge batches of pesto you know putting it in jars putting a film of oil on top and then kind of putting it in the fridge and i just feel like that takes away from the essence of it yeah the magic you know when you make it in a pesto and water and you get it right it's really vibrant and green and it's really really beautiful i also think that like toasting the pine nuts is really key like if you okay. you don't do it too hard you do it slowly whenever you toast seeds or nuts you know so it gets the heat gets into the very center and you don't just have these like burned outside parts i also think that suddenly makes a big difference so what, what are the ingredients again basil olive oil roasted pine nuts a little bit of garlic and anything else? And parmesan, of course. The parmesan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, but that's basically it, no? Yeah, yeah. When you make it and you get it into be a sort of emulsion, I think it's very, very nice. Another sauce that I like a lot is a la matriciana. Oh, yeah. That's usually done with bucatini. Man, that's really nice. I really like that too. It's like a standard tomato sauce just with chunks of bacon. <laughs> yeah, what I think makes a difference there also is that it has... It starts off with like sweating down onions also. Some versions that I've eaten, they were not too fine. They were kind of like a little bit chuckier. And just like, just before caramelizing, you know, just like not brown, but kind of there. And I feel like that gave it like a real nice sweetness. And then together with the bacon, you know, super, super nice. Something that, that really caught my attention recently, I saw someone traveling to Naples. Right. No, it was actually Bologna and they posted like a Bologna sauce. And I was like, what? This is nothing like my archetype of the bolognese sauce doesn't look like that. Yeah. This was like a light brown beef sauce. It seemed to have no, no tomato at all. And I was like, okay, that's uh, unexpected. There are many things like this, like many misconceptions of sauces that since pasta is so, so global and people eat pasta everywhere, you would see like these kind of things that like meatballs and spaghetti that were invented in some Disney movie and people think that's Italian, but non-Italian have, have ever seen meatballs on, on spaghettis or like the carbonara. Some people have this bastardized version that is made with cream and, you know, and, and there, there are all, all of these pasta recipes and versions that do not correspond with the original one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you say, it's it's become such a such a huge thing, you know, that's kind of like, I think we spoke about it in the cultural appropriation episode, you know, like how things develop further, you know, once they start getting adapted by a new food culture. So it's, it's really interesting to see. Also, you know, that pasta isn't usually eaten as a main 
course that it's usually you know part of a bigger sort of like menu it's usually like a side dish i mean not a side dish as in like a uh, a starter and you just get like a very small dish at the beginning and that's a standard italian menu you start with a small pasta dish and then you have whatever and you it's never the main course and it's never like this big plate of pasta that that we're used to <laughs> yeah it's not how we how we're doing it these days where pasta is just this thing that you cook way too much of and then eat it until you, you hate yourself you know like it's <laughs> which i feel like is what most people do they just cook way too much and then afterwards they're just like oh my god i just can't get any more down my gullet another one never break your spaghettis please <laughs> yeah i mean you know you break the spaghetti you break my heart <laughs> That's it for this week's episode of Potluck Food Talks. If you like what we're doing, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok as Potluck Food Talks. The show airs every Monday.